0: I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 8 this morning starting at verse 9. It follows on from what we were talking about last week where Philip has gone down to Samaria and he has proclaimed Christ. And there's been a move of God and there have been people who have been delivered from the demonic and there has been people who have been healed. And people have given Philip great attention on what he was saying. And um, and to all intents and purposes, we preached and we spoke on last week that uh, much joy came to the city. So there was much joy in that city where Jesus is proclaimed, where Signs and wonders done by the almighty God happen. There is great joy in the city because people are connecting with the one and only, the creator of the earth, the creator of the universe, the one who threw stars into space, who holds everything and nothing can happen unless he gives permission. But when that sort of thing begins to happen, there is also other things that begin to happen. And that's where we read this morning, carrying on in our passage in Acts 8, it says, but there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself believed and after being baptized he continued with Philip and seeing signs and great miracles uh, and great miracles performed he was amazed now when the apostles at jerusalem heard that samaria had received the word of god they sent to them peter and john who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the holy spirit for he had not yet fallen on any of them but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you. Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So through the Acts of the Apostles, we've seen the call to witness and to be witnesses. We've seen what it means to be a holy people, a people set apart for God and to witness for Him. And following the death of Stephen, we have seen that whilst that was an act of deep persecution or deep persecution came out of that one single act as Stephen gave up his life as the first martyr. We know that it led to something other. What seemed to be an end became a beginning. In reality, whenever something new is going to be birthed in the Spirit, there are going to be labour pains. And persecution in this context was the labour pains in order for something new to be birthed in the people of God and something to prompt them to fulfill the call that God had placed on their lives to go out into the whole world and preach the gospel, not just to Jerusalem, not just to Jerusalem and Judea, but to Samaria and ultimately to the uttermost parts of the earth. It is the fulfillment of the Great Commission that we read at the end of Matthew and the end of Luke, go into the whole world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations teaching them everything that I have taught you and I will be with you always but we need to go we need to experience God's presence isn't in an end in itself for us it's for us to share with others so last week we looked at Philip coming down to Samaria he had proclaimed Christ stuff was happening things were going well it appears to me that revival was breaking out in this city. And there was a change of atmosphere, a change of spiritual temperature in Samaria. You may remember the account in John 4 where Jesus encounters a woman at a well. And whilst his disciples are away looking for food, Jesus breaks all social convention and spoke To a woman, first and foremost, on his own. Not accompanied by anybody else, he spoke to a woman. And on top of that, she was a Samaritan woman. And he spoke to her. He asked her if she would give him some water. It took her by surprise. And while she is still trying to make sense of the situation... You know, Jesus speaks to her and he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Recognizing that the woman was open and having sparked her interest, he goes on to tell her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty. Again, referring to the water in the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This woman is now wide open. Wide open to Jesus. She wants this water. She wants to find it Truthfully, her motivation might not have been totally pure because she says, I won't have to come here again and draw more water. But there's something about Jesus which has captivated her attention and they fall into a conversation. And Jesus introduces himself to her as the Messiah. They have this conversation about spiritual things us Samaritans, we worship here. You Jews, you say you worship over there. They got into a spiritual conversation and the encounter leads to Jesus being revealed for who he is. Following that revelation, and you might remember the story, that what she does is quite simply, he asks her to go and get her husband and she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, that's true. You've had five And the man you're living with now, number six, isn't even your husband. And she is amazed at this word of knowledge that Jesus brings. And she poses this question. Can this be the Christ? Can this be the Christ? I really believe that we see here in the Samaritans, there was a deep interest in spiritual things. And this is what Philip found when he went down to Samaria, the city of Samaria. For the woman who went off and told everybody, come and hear the man who told me everything about my life. They asked him to stay a couple more days. They wanted to converse and it says that many believed And so I am not surprised when Philip goes down and proclaims the Christ in the city of Samaria that there is this response to his preaching. He proclaimed Christ. He delivered people from the demonic, healed the sick. In Scripture, to me, there seems to be an importance regarding the issue of signs and wonders if we went all the way back to Acts 2 and 22, we find Peter speaking, and he. this is what he says. He says, men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works, mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, midst as you yourselves know." Peter uses the works, the wonders, and the signs on which to build his message to say that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. Matthew does exactly the same in chapter 11, 20 to 24. He denounces the cities. And he says this, Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works have been done. This is Jesus. Because they did not repent. It would have remained until this day. But I tell you that it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. This original meeting of Jesus with the woman at the well and the response of the people we find again as Philip does the work of God. I don't believe Philip thought that he was doing the miracles. In Acts 4, you might remember when they were praying, they prayed to God this. They said, God, you continue to do wonders and works, but give us courage to declare and proclaim Christ. Our role is to proclaim Jesus wherever we are. But when that happens, there is a clash of kingdoms that will take place on every occasion as we seek to bring light into darkness. And darkness ultimately has to bow the knee to the light. But it might not be without a battle. There might be an intense battle. We know that Daniel, when he started praying to the Lord, there was 21 days of heavenly battle that took place before the answer came through. We know that there is a spiritual realm in the world in which we live. There is a deep interest in spiritual things, but not all God spiritual things. We live in an area which is steeped in an interest in spiritual things, and we have a message to bring into that arena. But in trying to do so, we enter into spiritual warfare I think the problem is sometimes what we do is we wrestle against flesh and blood and not against principalities and powers. We seem to forget that people are the ones who are bound in darkness and need liberating. They're not the enemy. They are not the enemy. And we must become carriers of the proclamation of Jesus in our everyday life, wherever we are, whatever we are doing, being ready to give a a reason for the hope that is within us, being ready to share the message and the good news of Jesus Christ with those around us. In this city, the people are ensnared. There's some interesting word issues going on here. I'm no Greek scholar by any means, all right, but I have a Bible program that tells me what words mean, so I'm trusting those who have put the Bible program together. If there is a scholar in our midst who does know Greek and I'm wrong, come and tell me afterwards and I'll correct it next Sunday, all right? But it says, Simon... You had Philip on the one hand proclaiming Christ, seeing signs and wonders happen, seeing people turn to Jesus and be baptised. Simon, on the other hand, is described as someone (coughs) who had practised sorcery and magic. He claimed to be someone great. Have you noticed how in spiritual terms The people who start a particular spiritual journey, pathway, always proclaim themselves to be someone great. He had been doing that. The people even had been paying attention to him. And it's not just that they were amazed. The word amazed, as I looked at it, it means bewitched, to be captivated to attract or interest someone a lot so that you have power to influence them, to put a magic spell on someone or, or, some, or something in order to control him, her or it. Simon was the enemy's representative. And despite the fact that In this passage, you start off with hope because it says even Simon started to follow and was baptized. The truth was, as you go on in the passage, you recognize that his heart had not been touched by God. There was something else at work in him. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, it says, And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of the light. Simon's conversion on the surface appeared to be genuine, but Philip challenged Simon's power and control through his message. And ultimately, on the arrival of Peter and John, who were like the heavyweights from Jerusalem, coming in to check the thing out, Because, probably because it was Samaritans first and foremost. They wanted to make sure that what was happening was real, you know? And having prayed and seen people receiving the Spirit through them, we find Simon's true personality surfaces. Let me have power do that and i'll pay you for it you know even within the church we can be guilty of desiring the power and we might not put it in monetary terms but we can be guilty of promising god everything if only he will give us the power The truth is, God distributes as the Holy Spirit wills. Doesn't mean we can't ask God to, to do great signs and wonders, to heal the sick and to set people free. But it's not to give me a title or a position of responsibility It is to do what it is there for, to point people to Jesus Christ. And the fact that he has come and he has died on a cross, he has gone to the grave as we sung this morning, he has risen again, broken the power of Satan, broken the power of his kingdom, and he today dwells at the right hand of the almighty God on high. And we know we serve the king of kings. We're not just serving any God. We're not serving power. We are serving the living God. There will be a clash of kingdoms. If we want to see things happen and we call upon God to manifest himself, there will be a clash of kingdoms. We know that when We come to Christ and experience a genuine conversion. It says this, that we're delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of God's beloved Son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. The reason there was joy in the city was because they found freedom. They didn't find control. They found freedom freedom. Jesus demonstrated freedom, didn't he? Do you remember when the man came to him and he asked him, and he says to him, well, what about this commandment and that commandment? Go and do those things. And he says, I've done all this since I was young. And then Jesus says, well, go and sell all that you have. He was a very rich man. He said, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And it said, the young man went away sad Jesus did not seek to exercise power and control over the man. It always amazes me, you know, when Jesus teaches something tough in John 6, and it says, his disciples, he said, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you can't have any part of me. And I mean, when you think he is, uh, he's addressing Jewish disciples, Jewish people, that was an anathema to them. It was an anathema to most people. And and it says many of his disciples left him. In fact, it wasn't many. He was left with the twelve. And I would never have done what Jesus did. Move on and say to them, do you want to go as well? I'd have been too frightened that they might have said yes and gone. (laughs) Jesus is looking not for coercive control. He is looking for bended knee submission. That is something completely different. The number of men who think that they're the head of their wife, and what they mean by head means domination. What I say goes, just isn't the case. I have never met a woman who will not willingly submit to her husband. Providing he does what the rest of that scripture says, that he loves his wife as Christ loved the church. He gives himself on behalf of her. There's never issues of submission. Jesus laid down his life for us. Why should I bend my knee willingly? Because he gave all for me. He gave all for you. He offered you complete cleansing of your sin and freedom. And he wants you to walk it out. He wants to have a relationship with you. So whenever and wherever Christ is proclaimed, there will be an increase in wickedness and darkness. It will come to the surface. We often worry and think that where we see this increase, there is something wrong. We must be doing something wrong. Surely, we, if, we, if we're the people of God, we, we shouldn't be seeing an increase. We should be seeing a decrease. But if you stir the pot, you're going to see an increase, not a decrease. Scripture seems to teach to me, in that especially in uh, the Gospels, that As the day approaches, things will become darker. But that makes the light shine brighter. And therefore, actually when we see an increase in darkness, we see things happening, I want to say to you, we should not be upset, we should not feel we are failing. We should recognize that we are about the Father's business. Satan does not want to let people go. If he can't get you with money, sex, and power, he'll try spirituality. And his biggest weapon for me is that sort of all roads lead to God. Doesn't matter what type of spirituality you want to follow, all roads lead to God. Well, I've got a news for you. If you're a person this morning who believes all roads lead to God, you're in for a shock. Because Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. And we have people in this congregation who know the difference between spirituality and following Jesus. Because... They once were immersed in spiritual things but now they follow Christ and they know the difference. If you're someone like me who was brought up as a toddler in church and I've lived the whole way through church, did a few years of wandering here, there and everywhere, but always really having wanted to be and walk with Jesus, even though I've done it, poorly at times and i've had a genuine encounter with the living god i want to say to you sometimes we don't realize we're almost not deficient isn't the word i want i sometimes am jealous for those who have walked totally outside of god and have come to know him Because there's that wrestle about making Jesus yours when you're brought up in a Christian home. Genuinely yours. Not living out your parents' faith, but living out your own faith. So my prayer is as the apostles, and with this I am going to close. So if you want to bow your heads. Paul writes this prayer. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and growing, as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learnt it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you might be filled. Now I'm praying this for you, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. God bless you all. And go and proclaim Christ. Pray for the distressed and for those who are sick. Be carriers of compassion. Be carriers of hope. Be carriers of joy and life. May the Lord God anoint your, you, his servants, with the Holy Spirit that you might glorify his name. And Father, we ask that you will do signs and wonders and give us the boldness to proclaim Christ. Amen.